Welcome to the Inside Texas YouTube football channel brought to you by InsideTexas.com. I'm Justin Wells. Along me today for this deep dive is Paul Waddlington to my right, Ian Boyd to my left. Uh, it's another jam-packed show. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to talk about linebackers. We're going to go a little bit in depth there. We're going to talk about the state of college football quarterbacking and, and the great position Texas is in right now heading into the 2024 season. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to just jump right into it. Be sure and like and subscribe to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. We are climbing rapidly to 7,000. Help us get there. And also come see us at InsideTexas.com. I'm going to jump right into it. I, I found this subject in pre-recording uh, pre fascinating. Linebacker. Texas has a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. I'm going to hand off to you, Ian. I want you to start. What, what are some of your first thoughts on, on what Texas, that linebacker room, is going to start to look like when spring ball opens up? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start by trying to name 20 linebackers that might play next year because no one believed I could do it live during the show. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, they have <laughs> you. No, I'm not going to do that. Just um, they. I mean, they lose Jalen Ford, who was the best linebacker on the team, but they have been recruiting that position really well for the last two or three seasons. If you include Edge, really since they got here. And they just have like all these guys now that have been just kind of waiting and like developing in the crock pot, right? Right. Yeah, for, their, for their time. And they have Trey Moore coming in from UTSA that he figures an instant impact guy. Um, so we know, and we know that there's all these guys that are star blue chip former recruits that need to pan out this season. And some of them probably will. But it's like this big game of like, who's it actually going to be? who's going to manage specific position and uh, you know, how that works out. I mean, that's like the floor and probably the ceiling of the defense next year. Everyone likes to talk about like who's next, like what freshman came in and played and, and made an impact. And obviously that was like an Anthony Hill last year who came in to do that. So instantly people think, well, what about Ty Anthony Smith? You know, what's he going to do? And the truth is, Ty Anthony's got some guys he's got to pass up, Paul. There, there's some guys that were, were recruited before Ty Anthony that have been in the program for a little while. Who are some of those guys that, that that fans need to know a little bit more about and not be so eager for the next guy and not forget about some of those 2022 and 2023 guys on the roster? Well, it's appropriate that the a crockpot was mentioned <laughs> because fans prefer a microwave, don't they? Perfect. Not very comfortable with the crock pot process and they don't like to hear it. And they don't want to hear about yeah. it. And, and you see posts and you hear comments all the time of a guy who's a true freshman isn't playing much. I'm like, what's the deal with so-and-so? Is he a bust? And you're like, no, he's, he's 18 and he plays <laughs> linebacker. Yeah. And it's hard. Uh, so let's talk about, we're going to talk about some guys. Anthony Hill, look, he's, I think he's going to start. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that he's got one position nailed down a potentially huge impact player. But then we're talking about guys who came in last year that you've kind of forgotten about. We're talking about yeah. Samaje Burrell. We're talking about Leongo LaFau. We're talking about uh, Darian Gallette. And then, Cecilia of course, yep. and then, of course, we're talking about some holdovers like Maurice Blackwell. And, of course, David Benda, who I think is probably an underrated return by folks. I mean, David played good ball last year. He, he had some struggles early in his career identifying the ball. Uh, early in his career, I, I think in 2021 against Oklahoma State, I pretty much wrote a post just showing him on certain plays where they got a 20-yard run where he ran the wrong direction from the play. <laughs> and there was no misdirection. So 
he has improved considerably. I think he's a very mature guy. I think he's a very serious guy. And I think you saw he's a dog. I mean, he gets after it and he's, he's very quick. He has great quickness. So I think he's going to be a contributor. So my question to, to you guys is what do we make out of Burrell out of LaFowl? What do we make out of Galette? Who's this? I mean, Galette, of course, Justin's going to have some opinions on that guy. He's from beast Texas, but he was a guy who didn't play a ton of football in high school because of a knee injury. Yeah. Uh, but before that injury, unless I'm mistaken, the dude's like reverse jamming from just outside the, the line on the free throw line. <laughs> like he's a crazy athlete. Uh, where the heck do you put a guy like that at linebacker when you already have an Anthony Hill out there? So I guess I'll throw it to you guys. What do we know about Burrell? What do we know about LaFowl? What do we know about Gallette uh, and Cecilio Kana? Like, let's just talk about these guys and their traits and, and what they might be. I, Justin, can I, I know Gallette's your guy, but I know that they're going to, they're going to play him at Sam, right? To start. Yes. That's where he's been working. I think Sam is a much, it's like a, it's basically a sub package position because they play so much more nickel than they do base three, four defense where they would use a Sam. Um, and so the, the position is, is limited in the, in the packages where it, they're on the field. And it's also kind of a simpler position because the linebacker is just kind of out in space. And it's like, if you see run close on the edge, potentially come unblocked. And if it's a pass, here's the one or two, uh, coverage techniques and drops that we're going to expect you to know how to do, or we're just going to blitz you. It's a, it's a great position to get a young athlete acclimated into the college game. Like yeah. they worked, they worked Anthony Hill there. Some, they developed Ovia Gofu there a bit before he became the full-time uh, edge the following season. So it sounds like they're going to, they're going to put him there. They're going to let him be an athlete kind of like uh, actually like what LSU was doing with Harold Perkins initially. Um, and then, um, maybe see from there is like, does he explode? Does he become like a 255 pound guy where it's like, this guy needs to be on the edge. This guy needs to be after the quarterback full time. Or is he more of a, uh, does he show an aptitude for playing off the ball to where he can slide over and play next to Hill or something? I, I think we're like in wait and this is probably the year where they figure out which of those two directions he goes in. You know, to me, I'll talk about LaFowle a little bit because I think he is the throwback of the group. He's To me, he's the old school linebacker type that we probably grew up around in the 80s and 90s where, you know, gap, shoots gaps, doesn't get caught up in the wash, uh, just a just a, a, a hammerhead of sorts. You know, he had incredible tape. He, he And he did a little bit of that on special teams last year. And I think that's where you're going to – I kind of had him on the Mo Blackwell trend line, so to speak because it, it took playing some special teams for a few years and, and actually finding a position. I think LaFowle is more adept, obviously, at linebacker, but he's a guy that – he reminds me of those early USC – early 2000s USC's linebackers where they just hard-nosed, just tough, just you know give them a direction and let them go. I think he's an inside guy all the way, whereas you have like a Tassili Akana – who I think can play some edge. I think can, you know, can play more of a traditional outside linebacker role. Um, some Samadji Burrell is an underrated athlete. I mean, we saw Darren Gillette do some ridiculous stuff on the football field, on the basketball court, and in track and field. You should have seen him running the leg, the anchor, on a four-by-one. Now that, at his size, 
was pretty impressive. It was impressive enough for uh, Nick Saban in Alabama to literally push all their cards to the table to try to get that guy. Obviously, he hurts his knee that summer and misses his senior year. And so, but Burrell, that's a guy that's a walking back flip. Like a guy with his body and his frame, uh, I think there's some stuff to mold there. He came to he came to Austin with a little bit of baby fat, which that, some of those big boys have that. And so Burrell's, you know, in that in that position of changing his body. Uh, and so I think I, I I think special teams is going to be something where he's going to have to make an impact if he's going to get on the field. But Ian, you mentioned Trey Moore from the portal. There's one other guy they brought in that I think goes under the radar a little bit. And that's Kendrick Blackshire. Where do you envision him playing in, in, in his role? So I actually, I don't know what Paul's opinions are on Blackshire. So I'm very curious. He'll tell us. I'm so glad. I know. I'm so glad you brought him up. But um, I watched him for Bama last year, and he reminded me a little bit of Anthony Hill at Denton Ryan, where he was always covered up. They never had him in coverage. <clears throat> they covered up from coverage, not in the sense of like. Don't let any blockers get to him. He's right. a big, strong guy. They always had him in the box, always keep him focused there. And sometimes Alabama would sub him in in situations where they needed more of a traditional plugger. So I think that he's he was not well-rounded enough to win a starting job at Alabama for the last right. couple of years. But I think his like some of his linebacker traits are actually like some of the he was a four-star for a reason. I think some of it is translated. And if they could protect him, he might be their best run plugger, actually, next year, even over Hill, potentially. I'm not – maybe not, but – oh, like, he's more natural at it than, like, Benda or Blackwell, who are just smaller guys um, and have to rely so much on quickness. He plays downhill. He's pretty quick laterally, um, and he's got a pretty decent number of seasons now playing the position – to where he doesn't, he can actually play pretty fast when it's like a run play. Um, so I think there's actually a decent chance he starts, and uh, depending on a, you know a, a number of different factors. But um, Paul, what what are you seeing from Blackshire? So I, I looked at him as well. Um, I have similar opinions, maybe a couple of small nits to pick or differences. I I don't think he's super quick laterally. I, I think he's actually a little stiff. Uh, not Anthony Wheeler level stiff. If you guys remember him, I nicknamed him the mummy prison. Uh, but when Anthony got there, uh, you, you were, you were regretting it. Uh, and also, uh, Anthony Wheeler, all just like Blackshire, I think he's going to be a first off the bus guy or first out of the tunnel guy as Drew Kelson informed me. Uh, Blackshire is a monster. He's a big physical talk about a throwback linebacker. I think you were right in, in, in describing LaFowl that way in terms of attitude and instincts. LaFowl is actually not very big, right? No. He's kind of a slight guy. He's like 6'1", 225. And he's actually pretty instinctive from what I've heard in past coverage and just diagnosing. Blackshire is 240 plus, and he's a thumper. Um, so I think to Ian's point, I think his least <clears throat> best use is that he's a situational plugger. You want to play a team that wants to get physical and go two tight ends. In fact... Kentucky has sort of had that identity. They had that identity last year. And if you weren't able to handle their physicality, they actually gave some really good teams trouble uh, running, running the ball and just being physical. Uh, that's the kind of guy you want to put in and get 50 snaps in that kind of game. Because to Ian's point, I don't know if you have to have him covered up because he's big and physical. 
Like he'll run and meet a guard or a center in the hole and stuff that guy. And then that allows you to actually, rather than use our DTs to eat blocks, right? You're allowing them to sprint up the field and try to penetrate and create negative plays. Because I don't think Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins, that their best trait is going to be, hey, try to occupy four guys with U2 or, or three guys with U2, as as you could do with Murphy and, and of course, Sweat. So Blackshear, I think his value proposition is that he can stand on his own and be a run stuffer without being covered up. Uh, but I, I would not say he's a, a, a – I think he's athletic, but not quick. I don't think he's flexible or very um, – I think he's a little stiff and I think that's what kept him off the field from being a starter because Alabama played him quite a bit early in the year yeah. and then they went away from him a little bit and used him more as a situational guy. So I think at the, at the very minimum, that's what we're going to get out of him, which is valuable, right? Uh, at the maximum, I think to Ian's point, he could be a starter. Uh, the spring will be very telling. I can't wait to watch the spring game with him. It'll be very interesting. I think he can scrape pretty well. He's not going to, if you ask him to get to the other hash in coverage, I mean, no one asks him to do that. And there's obviously a reason why, right? But uh, you mentioned like he's great at plugging and maybe he protects you from needing like Sidey or Mitchell to be fully realized. Yeah. And obviously that just serves like Jare Bledsoe. Ideally, even the new guy, uh, Tia Wally Sevilla, is better as a taking gaps and slanting than he is just trying to eat blocks. So, so I mean, to Ian's point, and this is relevant to our linebacker selection, is that all of our DT personnel have changed. Yeah, these are all movement guys. Right, they're all going to be better stunting and moving around and all that. I, I want to see if we can make that adjustment because one of the criticisms I had for Pete Kwiatkowski in 2020 was that he did not make that adjustment to the personnel, which you know. It's a philosophical thing. Some coaches just say, hey, man, we're going to run our stuff even if we don't have the right personnel because we need to teach this and we need to create the defense. You know, I, I was more of like, hey, let's let's try to suit it to the personnel. And, and then when we have the appropriate personnel, let's let's switch it. But understand that there is a downstream effect of how we deploy our defensive line of what linebackers we can start. Because if we're too light in the butt at linebacker, and we're stunning all these guys. We're going to give up some big run plays. We're going to get gashed or maybe pushed around a little bit. And that's something that has not happened to Texas last year. No one, no one pushed Texas around on the field. So uh, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to keep in mind that the best guy in a vacuum may not be the starter because another guy is a better fit for what we're trying to do up front. So something to consider. And also, too, I, I remember Blackshire during his recruitment, and he was a big boy from the start. He was out of Mesquite Horn. I remember I met him his sophomore year. He was about 210, 215 when I met him. And the, the, the general consensus was he's going to grow into a defensive lineman. He's going to get so big, he's going to grow. Then he transfers to Duncanville, and he gets at about 230. And they keep him at linebacker, and he does pretty well there. And then he gets to Alabama, and he, he gets to about 240. I, we always kind of envisioned he's going to be a bigger, bigger guy and play on the defensive line because he had that disposition. He had that athleticism for his size. I wouldn't call him lateral quick, anything like that. But at 240, that dude could move. 
and because he had done so much of it in high school. And so out of all the guys we talked about, give me one guy that you feel confident can get to the quarterback on third down. From the these inside Any of Any well, of I mean, Hill from obviously, if we include the edges, then you know those guys are the are the superior quarterback right. players. Um, I think uh, Blackshire might be pretty good in the pass rush as well, just because he's good at working downhill through blocks. Okay, but he's not. Benda is actually very good as a blitzer because his quickness uh, really, I mean, he just knows how to leverage it. He finds paths for the quarterback. He evades blockers. He's probably, he's like almost better as a blitzer than he is like in run fits. He is. Yes. So to your point, Ian, and it's a famous play from Bama that showed his hustle, right? Yes. Uh, Often as a linebacker, you're going to be matched up on a running back and running backs. They all want to cut. They all want to cut linebackers, right? And so they cut Benda and he just pops up. Like if you've ever seen a UFC guy stuff a takedown and just pops up, that's what Benda did to this guy and then goes and sacks the quarterback because he's that quick and that low center of gravity. I mean, you could get up, you can get down and get up super fast. And also Benda just had that want to, he had that dog in him, right? So I agree with you a hundred percent, Ian, he's best deployed as a blitzer, as a stunter. Again, with when you talk about the personnel and that front seven, I think to optimize, we're going to have to see a little bit of a shift in our philosophy defensively. I think we got to be a little bit of more of a movement, disruptive, stunting defense. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to play things quite as honestly against high level uh, offenses or at least decent offensive lines. So something to look for, but I agree with you hundred percent. So Justin, to answer your question, are we including the hybrids? Because we think Trey Moore might line up at strong side linebacker. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna switch it to the edge here in a minute. We're okay, well, then, I, I think Galette might be yes, the comp. That was gonna be my. I mean, Anthony Hill's the easy answer, and so yes. I agree with Ian. But Galette's the suddenness guy with explosiveness. I I would like to see Galette. He's he's a he dude. We all we all want uh, Darian Galette's body. He's a six foot three, two hundred thirty pound dude with a, a twelve pack, right? But I think he'd be best if he lost a little bit of that basketball trim and actually got up to about 245. Because what you saw from Jet Bush that was very underrated for our defense last year at strong side linebacker was that physicality taking on pullers. Uh, Jet Bush did not try to tie the offensive lineman and hope help got there. He went there and blew that guy up and, and really set up a lot of, stuff for other people to eat. Darian Gallette, if he can pass rush and be that flash off the edge, but then also have that physicality and just blow people up and grab a tight end and just manhandle them at the point of attack when they try to run outside zone, um, that is a huge asset in modern day football. And you can take away an entire part of an opponent's playbook if you can massacre their outside zone. Uh, it It just reduces a lot of running offenses that are zone built, uh, it just reduces their playbook because they have all this stuff built off of that, like all these waggles and bootlegs and stuff. If it's second and 12 after they run outside zone, they're up a creek. And a lot of that is because of the physicality of that strong side linebacker in our sub package. Yeah. I'll tell you somebody that does get to the quarterback, and that is Andre the lawyer. Now, listen, if you're injured, this guy, he's got he's got range and ability. 
He wants to help you. If you're injured, you need to call Andre the Lawyer, located in Dallas, Texas, at 214-444-8808. Andre helps everyone, including Longhorns, especially Longhorns, car wrecks, slip and falls, 18-wheelers, um, wrongful deaths, injuries on the job. Andre's a proud member of, of Inside Texas. We've loved him for a long time. And if you're hearing this, he wants to help you. Let Andre the Lawyer be the man that gets to the quarterback for you on third down when you need him the most. Hey, Justin. 444-8808. I apologize. I cut off your expert ad read. Is it safe to say he'll get more than a quarterback for you? He he will he he doesn't get get a pressure. Okay. He gets to the he gets the sack. A quarter he, of a million back. Yeah, yeah. He gets he, if that, if that. He okay. gets he gets to the quarterback. There's no pressures right. here. Andre's like bringing it. And so we love Andre the lawyer. Be sure and give him a call if you ever need him. All right, let's go a little bit to the outside. Let's talk about those hybrids. We've got Trey Moore, Ethan Burke, uh, Baron Sorrell. we got some of those guys that do a little bit of things on the outside and on the edge. And I'll start with you, Ian. Uh, what are you looking for in this position this year that maybe we didn't see last year? Well, getting to the quarterback is the big thing. Um, something that they did well at edge last year at Texas that is – I, I kind of want to circle back to something that Paul just said about Jet Bush and his impact on outside run games, like outside zone, also counter plays. Counter plays depend on the pulling guard coming around and finding and finding an edge there that wants to get to the quarterback, but isn't really about that trap block life and just pushing him upfield or pushing him out of the way. This is, by the way, LSU fans that are listening, so I know. Every, all those LSU fans love our Inside Texas content. Yes. This is why Harold Perkins can't play on the edge. And you know what else? Dallas Turner was really bad about this at Alabama last year, a lot of times. And Georgia's guys were not very good about this either. And it was presented big problems for both those teams. That's a big reason why neither of those teams won the national championship last year. Is they had some really athletic edges that love to get after the quarterback but if teams ran the ball at them or pulled blockers in their direction, they just weren't there with the physicality and force to stuff it. Texas guys are pretty good at that last year. Baron Sorrell is consistently good at that. Ethan Burke knows the job and works hard at it. He's probably going to get a lot better at it as he gets bigger. But the reason that everyone cares about edge, getting to the quarterback has not been an elite facet for this team as of yet. And uh, I mean, there's, Trey Moore is very explosive. We'll see what it looks like when he's going up against SEC tackles rather than uh, what conference is the UTSA in the Sun Belt? Conference USA? Could be a, could be a I different. I think it's American East, Sun Belt, USA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. together. Um, it's not the whack. I know that. They got a lot of guys with upside that could really develop here. Because pass rush is very much a skill game. It's not just about being Colin Simmons and being able to run circles around people. Um, at the higher level, you'd really need like really technical, uh, like hand fighting skills, basically, and, and careful footwork. So a lot of these guys have upside to, to Paul's point about, you know, let's see what the redshirt guys can do. Um, but with Paul, with Paul, who do you have lined up as the most likely solutions there? So – Here's the thing that I've been writing about that I think differentiates a good year from a good program. Texas had a really good year last year. Are we there as a program? 
Well, if we are, guys like Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell are going to be unrecognizably better than they were last year. So we think we know Baron Sorrell, right? We think we know Ethan Burke and what their ability level is. Well, we thought we knew what Byron Murphy's ability level was, didn't we? We thought we knew what Tavondre Sweat's ability level was. I don't think we had Outland Trophy winner and two potential first-round draft picks, right? I, I think even the most sunny-eyed optimist. So I'm not I'm not predicting that for Burke or, or Sorrell, but look at Baron Sorrell's history at Texas. Has he gotten better every year in a Longhorn uniform? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So do we think his curb of improvement just gone? Or is he going to plateau immediately? Or do you, th- you, think, you still think he's going to trend line up? You know, I, I you kind of caught me because I think I've honestly been thinking that he had pretty much arrived. But there's no reason to think that he has, honestly. Yeah, and, and for Burke, I think we all agree if he gets strong, like yeah. legitimately powerful to go with his length and his natural skill level, which I think is pretty good. I mean, he, he ain't a Bosa brother out there in terms of his skill set. Right. But there's a reason the Bosas are the Bosas, right? So I think if his skill and his strength improves, which is reasonable, he was a young player last year, I think he's going to be better. And then I think you got a passel of these red shirts coming in who all represent something. There's dimensionality to these guys, right? Colton yeah. Vosick, who a lot of people think has the higher upside than Burke down the yes. road. Uh, that's the common belief, not only amongst people who are sort of insiders, but also even Westlake people, right, who kind of followed them when they – I mean, I can imagine them as a, as a duo in freaking high school. Unbelievable. That's just ridiculous. But uh, we got Billy Walton talking about an explosive guy who's a role player. Uh, can he come in there in a certain set and give you 10 really good snaps just flying off the edge like a maniac against a tackle who doesn't get back into a good set? Absolutely. Uh, Trey Moore we talked about. The word that we have, and this is the kind of stuff you learn if you're on Inside Texas and participating in the forums and and you're a member, is the word is that Trey Moore's first five or ten yards is is shocking. And people are having trouble adapting to it. Now, really high-level offensive tackles, they can handle pure speed rush. They just compensate because they they play lighter on their feet and they're not worried about getting bull rushed by a Trey Moore-sized guy. But... Most offensive tackles ain't really good, even in the SEC. And if you can get a average to below average tackle, even against on a good, otherwise good team, Alabama last year, by the way, you could put in a guy like, guy like Trey Moore, and the dude can have three sacks and five pressures and a batted ball in a way that a, a more traditional edge can't have that sort of impact because right. he's exploiting that one thing that guy can't do And he's literally in the quarterback's face as he's getting the shotgun snap. And there's just not a lot you can do. So it's great to be able to throw a guy like that in the game. It's also great to take that guy off the field when someone goes double tight and they want to smash you. And we go, that's fine. Sorrell Sorrell is is not going to get smashed. He's going to jack up your tight end. And we think the new and improved Ethan Burke is going to jack up your tight end. So what about Jamon Tapp? That's a guy that... I was just about to mention him. What are we going to do with that guy? Tap is the one I think could make the jump because he's been there a year uh, longer than these other guys we're talking about. And so he's had a little bit more time baking in the crock pot to, to, to be ready. 
And so Tap is a guy that I think if you simplify his his role, I think that's kind of what his ceiling is. You know, hey, seed quarterback, attack quarterback type of guy. He's got the disposition. He is he's big in the locker room. Guys love his personality. He he's one of those guys that, that works hard regardless. He he got a little bit of run late last year. And so I think we'd like to see him take that next step and go up and, and, and have that ability. And at the same time, uh, you know. Trey Moore reminds me of something my old college coach used to say about hustling. You know, when the heart is right, the feet are swift. And with Trey Moore, that that's kind of what I feel like. He may not have the 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 attributes that or skills that some or talent or athleticism that some of these other guys have, but man, the kid is 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 just determined. He's been determined since high school when he had no stars and no offers. He's been determined since he was at UTSA when he was under under the radar and then was unbelievably you know productive there. Uh, for Jeff Trailer and, and the Roadrunners. Let's hit on the last one, the most popular one. Go ahead, Ian. Ian has a point. Go yeah, ahead. I want to I lay out something. This is my dream scenario for the defense next year that probably won't happen. But I, what I wish they would at least try this spring. Play Trey Moore at weak inside linebacker in Anthony Hill's position last year. Yes. And then down on the edge on passing downs. Because when you watch him drop at UTSA, he's terrific at it. Like, I mean, for an edge at least. I mean, he's not, you know, Bobby Wagner or whatever, but he's pretty good. He's better than, I mean, better than Anthony Hill was last year in the same role. Um, and he's got just a lot of change of direction quickness. Like, there's really no reason he couldn't play inside linebacker other than it's a mentally strenuous position that you need to get some reps at and get some looks at. But if he's ever going to play in the NFL, that's how it's going to have to be, right? Yeah. He's not going to probably be an edge in the NFL at six foot one or whatever. So I, I wonder, I wonder if he could do it. And if that would be like, um, just the optimization of this lineup. Hey, we're going to do this part in the interruption style. You got one minute before the bell goes off. Tell me what kind of an impact Colin Simmons makes this season, if any. Paul, go. I'll go first. Uh, I think he can make an impact, and here's why. And it, I have my, my broader theory of pass rush, which is flushers and chasers. Texas had flushers last year. They had guys that could flush the quarterback out of the pocket. Yeah. We didn't have the elite athletes on the edge or blitzing that could chase them down Great and turn point. a pressure into a sack. Colin Great Simmons point. is a chaser. Trey Moore, chaser. Mm. Darian Gallette, chaser. It's like when Justin goes to Applebee's and he gets the meal deal and he has a beer and then he gets his little tequila chaser. We need the chaser to have a good night. You, you, you're okay with the meal and the beer. We need the chaser, Justin. And that's it's not what a Colin party without it. That's what Colin Simmons, Billy Walton, all these guys provide. They're chasers. They can finish the play from the initial flush. And that's something that's been missing from Texas for a while. I think we got a bunch of those guys. Colin's really young. He's going to have to learn a lot. But if you're talking about just aiming a human being at the quarterback, letting him get flush from the pocket and saying, run him down like a freaking lion on a gazelle on the Savannah, that's what Colin Simmons is going to do all day long. Your turn, Ian. Go. I think he'll play because his uh, talent and kind of lofty status demands that he get some snaps. Yeah. But I'm not sure that he's actually going to be one of their better 
uh, edge pass rushers because of the backlog that they've been assembling. Like, if Burke stays at Buck, is Colin Simmons going to be a better Buck than Ethan Burke in year one? I doubt it. You know, honestly, I doubt it. Is he going to be better than Trey Moore? I kind of doubt that too. Is he going to be better than Colton Vosick? I'm not totally sure. But you can get him on the field still in like situations like Paul's describing where it's an obvious passing down and somebody that can out athlete a quarterback in open space to just has a different value proposition. And he's, he could be immediately impactful there. Right. You got like three sacks and look like he had a pretty good freshman year while only playing like a limited number of snaps. Hey, absolutely fascinating insight on the linebacker position from inside and from out. That's why you like and subscribe inside Texas football YouTube channel. That's why you come to inside Texas. Cause it's a party. We talk about chasers. We talk about Applebee's. It, it, it's wild over here. You got to come join the community. Come, come let us earn your business. We're going to finish up real quick on the state of college quarterbacking. And the one, the one thing I want to start this with is, you know, the 2024 NFL draft is considered a, a high end draft for quarterbacks this year. I mean, you, you see some of the best in college are, are headed to it. There's going to be as many as eight, nine, maybe 10 guys drafted in April to at, at signal caller. What does that tell you? Who's left? Because if you look at the mock drafts, the early, early stuff for 2025, it does not look pretty. If anything, it looks like Quinn Ewers, if he has another great season like he did last year, or can adds to the, the, the season he was having last year, uh, he's going to be in that conversation for, for a lottery pick in the first round at quarterback in 2025. Texas has – they have Quinn, they got Arch Manning, they got Trey Owens. They got a good little core there at that quarterback room. What other rooms or what other quarterbacks do we need to know more about? I'll let Ian go first. What are some guys that we may not know about the state of college recording? And tell me how generational they are. Oh, you punk. I, I, uh, I want to uh, yield my time to the senator from Colorado because I know Paul's got uh, maybe a little more developed sense of, of the quarterback room next year. Suggesting that I'm a politician is the most insulting thing that you've ever said to me, Ian. And you've said a lot of insulting things. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's let me list some names for you. That I, I here are the three names that I think are to be contending for the first quarterback off the board in 2025: Quinn Ewers, Carson Beck from Georgia, yeah, and I think Shador Sanders. Uh, Shador. Now each one of those three has flaws. This, yes. this is not Andrew Luck coming out in the, in the NFL draft where you just go, uh, he's perfect. Please, God, give us the number one pick, right? Uh, each guy has some things, and we could talk about it, but I like Beck a lot. I think he's a natural thrower of the football. I think he he's got, got a good, lot better over the season, Paul. Got better over the season. I think he's got good ball placement, good zip, good command, accurate. Uh, stands strong in the pocket. I think Quinn Ewers has obvious great upside, huge improvement from a freshman to a sophomore. Why wouldn't we anticipate sophomore to junior? Shadur uh, certainly has demonstrated that he can play behind a faulty offensive line. Uh, and he also demonstrated that he can take a pounding, weak-armed, uh, but extremely accurate and great pocket sense. So I think those are the guys. And, you know, that's not super impressive because the other guys that are considered – major uh, guys that at least the scouts are looking at is we're talking about Drew Alar at Penn State. We're talking about Connor Wegman at AM, who people like, but he's not done anything there, right? right. 
uh, Jalen Milrow, a very incomplete quarterback, to, to be kind, right? Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, he's, I mean, a guy who's, uh, you know, like the most hot and cold quarterback I've seen. You see Dylan Gabriel. I mean, the, the NFL is not going to draft Dylan Gabriel in the first two days of the draft. Uh, no. I just don't see that happening. Guys, to, to give you an idea how quickly it depletes, Preston Stone is listed on the top 10 in some draft boards. Uh, that's a I mean, that's, that is a very uh, above average quarterback, I'll, I'll just say. So yeah. uh, Riley Leonard, great potential college quarterback, not a great translation to the NFL unless he massively improves as a passer. And what about Will Howard at Ohio State? Does Ryan Day unlock his potential and he becomes a big time quarterback like he thinks Ryan Day thinks he is? He could be a, a good college quarterback. I, I think the, the pros will struggle with some of his attributes. Uh, I'm not sure he's a good enough pure thrower of the football. Certainly big enough and strong enough, and he's got the leadership. But yeah. uh, I, I'm not sure. You know, his best film, to be <laughs> to be honest, was the second half against the University of Texas, where he just tore our ass for, I mean, just destroyed our bad our bad coverages and bad schemes and, and frankly, some bad play. Uh, but that was that was the highlight film. Like, yeah, look at this elite top-ranked defense and look what I did to them. Well, there's some other stuff going on there behind the scenes. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that the state of college quarterbacking, unless there is dramatic improvement, and there is that potential, right, I just think it's going to be a little bit of an off year. So that means, foreshadowing, if you are a Georgia, if you are a Texas, and you've got a quarterback – you're in the catbird seat to make the playoff. That's exactly what that means. There's not a more important position in all of sports, especially on the football field and on the gridiron. Guys, this has been fantastic. Absolute. I love deep dives every week. We always have such a good time. Even when we take shots at each other, most of them are warranted. Ian Boyd, thank you so much. The X's and O guru at Inside Texas. Paul Wadlington, a man of many, many talents. Too many to list at this point. Just ask him. We really do appreciate all your time. Please like and subscribe to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. And come see us at InsideTexas.com. We're having a special right now. It's a dollar for a month. And it's a lot of stuff we're piling up from team reports, from recruiting, from uh, visits popping up over the next few months. Uh, there's always something to talk about. And then there's always Texas basketball's big win in Lubbock last week that, that Joe Cook covered last night and did a tremendous job. Uh, I thought I thought Lubbock went all Lubbock in that game last night, so I can't say I, I'm totally surprised. But, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, viewers, thank you so much for making us a part of your day, and enjoy the rest of the Inside Texas Football Channel brought to you by InsideTexas.com.